So the right type. Yeah. You need a lot of meat. Looks like. No one meat. One. No. Uh, all, all your green guys you need a meat. Oh, I thought these were veg guys. No, they're velociraptors. They're not veg eaters. Why are they green? <laughs> Good point. Hello, fellow game explorers. With thousands of board games produced every year, it is a daunting task to figure out which games you and your friends will love. So we hunt down three board games every show from all over the spectrum, different styles, genres, themes, even eras, to let you know whether they are worth digging up or should stay buried. I'm your host, Celeste Angelis, here with my decades-long gaming buddies, Mike, Ed, and Evan. Hello, Yeah, what's up? Hey, everyone. Let's get started. First up this week, we scramble to keep our dinos from departing in Tiny Epic Dinosaurs. Next, we trade to keep our family from starving in Century New World. And lastly, we blockade to keep our village from melting in Eruption. Hey, friends, we've been having a ton of fun playing games together online, and we want you to be a part of it. You can join us every Thursday night on Twitch, but if you can't make it, all you need to do is go to our YouTube channel and ring the bell so you'll be notified when we post new game night videos and much more. See you there. Let's talk about the game Tiny Epic Dinosaurs, designed by Scott Almes, published by Gamelin Games in 2014. Number of players 1 to 4, ages 14 and up, playtime 30 to 60 minutes. Okay, Mikey G, tell us what's in the box. <laughs> The first thing you'll notice on the cover of this box is the word EPIC, chiseled in stone in the center. When you look closer, you'll see some content-looking modern ranchers slash scientists and their cute, yawning baby stegosauruses, stegosauri, (laughs) and they're all laying lazily around the farm. Inside the box, you'll find 121 wooden meeples, including dinos, ranchers, and barriers, 18 tracker tokens, a wrangler die, four player mats, four action mats, four ranch mats, three gameplay mats, 66 cards for research and contracts, and eight cards that allow you to play in solo mode. And that's what's in the box. That is a lot of stuff. But before we open the pens and let this review run wild, Evan, tell us how it's played. In tiny epic dinosaurs, breakthroughs in modern science have dinosaurs and humans existing side by side. This is allowed for a lucrative industry, dino ranching, of course. Players control a team of ranchers and will be acquiring, breeding, and selling dinosaurs. The game is played over six rounds, and each round consists of six phases. Real quick, here are the phases. Phase one, harvest the resources from your farm. Phase two, put your ranchers to work. Ranchers wrangle and they buy new dinosaurs to farm. They improve the farm's security and supplies. They secure contracts and they research for new technologies for unique dinosaur breeds. Phase three, ranchers return to finish their day's work at the farm. Phase four, arrange and rearrange the ranch, making sure the ranch is suitable for the types of dinosaurs they have. Phase five is feeding, where every dinosaur must be fed and dinosaurs that don't eat, they're going to escape. Phase six is breeding, where pairs of the same dinosaurs will produce a new dino of that same type. At the end of the game, players will receive victory points for each dinosaur they have, public and private contracts they've acquired, and for their research developments. Players with the most victory points wins the game and will claim the title of the best tiny epic dinosaur ranch in history. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> All right, I think the first thing we need to talk about here, guys, is the look of this game. Ed, start us off. It's so epic. (laughs) And tiny. (laughs) 
You were in love with those meeples. Oh God, the 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 meeples are so cute and so tiny, but highly detailed. There were like so many different types of dinosaurs, I couldn't believe it. And Evan, what about those purple ones? Oh, the purple dinosaurs are yeah, very special dinosaurs because they are unique. Each purple meeple dinosaur meeple. There's only one of that type. There's only one Tyrannosaurus rex. There's only one pterodactyl. There's only one stegosaurus and so forth. What? How are they going to breed T-Rexes? It's it's the other dinosaurs in the four other color groups. Those are the ones that can breed. But the special ones get developed through special scientific research. Science! <laughs> and they give you special powers and abilities. Well, abilities. They, they enhance your gameplay. Those special dinosaurs allow you to uh, get shortcuts effectively to... Get your victory points up there. I couldn't believe that they had so many unique die-cut meeples in this game. The production value is really up there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, none of these look standard at all. Even the ranchers come in two different sizes. You have a double rancher and then four single ranchers. Mm -hmm. And the double-sized rancher acts as two meeples for those actions that require two ranchers instead of one. And if you check us out on Instagram, you'll see our unboxing of the tiny epic dinosaur. So you can see all those meeples for yourself. There are a ton. Ton. Mm-hmm. So this is a, from a series of games, right? Yeah, the the tiny epic blank series. It's uh, the same <laughs> company designers uh, made a, a big series of games, starting with uh, tiny epic kingdoms. They also have the tiny epic pirates, tiny epic Zombies, Pimeneca Galaxies, Tiny Epic Western. <laughs> I mean, since I didn't get to play this game, I wanted to know what they meant by Tiny Epic. So I looked on the back of the box and it tells you that it, uh, if a game is tiny and epic, it has easy entry, high strategy, low downtime, short playtime, high replayability, and all in a small box. Wow. And they do hit that. The box is really small. And yes, it has a ton of components in it because everything is small. They don't use regular size cards at all. Tiny cards. They do hit the mark with the amount of stuff in there. That part is correct. I don't know if I agree with the other goals. Those are nice goals to have. I'm not sure that this game achieved the fast play or the um, simplicity element. Was there a simplicity element? Yeah, easy entry. Yeah, I mean... Mm, honestly, I thought it was a bit complex for the theme. For me, the mechanics I thought were familiar blend of worker placement and animal management with enclosures and then having to feed them. And it ended up having just enough of the pieces and iconography allowed me to follow what was going on. <laughs> I never thought of animal management as a uh, subcategory before, Ed. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> there are a lot of games that let you manage animals. I mean, Agricola, for example. You know, you get your uh, your your. Oh, you mean Agricola? And... Yeah, it's Agricola. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. We'll never, we'll never settle this one. <laughs> I love it. Me and Evan were in a such a close battle in this game, and he came down to one point at the end. Huh. Yes, and yes, it my T Rex ate two of my points. Darn it! Oh, is that like a random <laughs> right. thing that happens, or what? No, Ed would have had the- a dinosaur es- again. You have to feed your dinosaurs, or else they escape, and that's 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 bad. And the dinos and the T Rex required three meat, which is a lot. And I only had two on hand, but he has a special thing; you can feed him any dinosaur. 
So in order for Ed to prevent the T-Rex from escaping, he had to feed it one of its dinosaurs, which which means he had to take a point off his board to feed it, and what would have been a tie. What, what, what athlete would have been a two-point? So it would have been me oh, with two one points. point ahead. Yeah, you had a two-point dinosaur. That's yeah, right. Yeah, he had a two-point dinosaur, but it prevented a five-point dinosaur from escaping. <laughs> yeah, so as you can see, there's a lot going on in this game. And you have to really make some tough choices as far as like, do I buy fence? You, you have a limited amount of resources as in you know, most resource management games. But I felt like I was really struggling to make a good choice in this game, which I don't always feel in these types of games. Celeste, you also got confused about the actual color of the meeple because one <laughs> set of dinosaurs were green and you thought they were plant eaters, but they were actually meat eaters. Who makes the meat eaters green? I mean, who does that? <laughs> and you guys played this in person, right? So there was nobody yeah, to yes. like, keep track of the rules and stuff. Uh, yes, that was a huge disappointment. Thank you for reminding me, Evan. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury tiny epic dinosaurs. Evan? Tiny Epic Dinosaurs has all the fun a worker placement and resource management game can offer. The theme was enjoyable. I mean, who doesn't love dinosaurs? Hmm. And the game was engaging for all players from start to finish. That was my opinion. Dig up the dinos. (laughs) Ed? This tiny package packs a lot of cool components and provides fun and a pleasantly deep gameplay. I'll dig up this dino egg for my ranch. This is a busy little game, and it is beautiful to look at. If you're looking for something deeper in a tiny box, this might be it. But for me, I was surprised at how much work it was. The theme did not match the amount of play. So I'm going to have to bury it. Let's talk about the board game Century New World, designed by Emerson Matsuki. Published by Plan B Games in 2019. Number of players, 2 to 4, ages 8 and up. Playtime, 30 to 45 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us, what's in the box? The box cover sets a peaceful scene. Amongst the serene forests, streams, and mountains, there are pioneer-era traders in coonskin caps, smoking pipes and exchanging goods. Oh, and also an angry bear looming overhead. Eh, ignore the bear. Don't worry about the bear. Just go on with your business. (laughs) Inside, you've got six double-sided location boards, four player boards, 48 wooden worker meeples, 56 cards, 10 exploration tiles, 25 bonus tiles, four bowls, and 105 wooden euro cubes. And that's what's in the box. Before we see if Frontier plus Cubes plus Meeples equals a fun end to the Century Trilogy, Evan, tell us how it's played. Century A New World sends players to the Americas at the dawn of the 16th century. Braving the wilderness, players are forced to explore new lands, trade with local inhabitants, journal their findings, and hunt and gather to survive. Use your workers to gather goods, which can then be traded for scoring cards. You can also use workers to turn lower-value goods into higher-value goods. Obtain enough of the right kinds of goods to visit the forts to exchange them for cards, which yield victory points and special abilities. Earn extra victory points by choosing tiles that yield more victory points for set collection of certain types of cards. (laughs) Some cards can even unlock new, unexplored places on the game board. To win the game, 
have the most victory points, of course, and this new world will belong to you. This is the last in the trilogy. What is the trilogy? The Century is a, a trilogy game starting with Century Spice Road. We played that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Century Eastern Wonders. We played that. And now, of course, A New World. And we played this too. So Ed made us play all three. So. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love how you put that. Do we think it's a fitting end to the trilogy? What did you guys think of the play? I thought it was nice to see how you can take the the same type of mechanic, basically trading spices, and use a different engine in order to basically get your victory point. So in the first game... Spice Road, you're using cards primarily to fuel your engine, trying to get new cards in order to set up trades. And Eastern Wonders, we were using chips to, to, to try to move them around. Now, picking up some goods from this island and dropping them off at the other island. In this game, A New World, it's a worker placement game. And so you're putting workers down to take actions. And I thought it was neat to set up your workers and then see somebody else bump them out because you got those workers back. You didn't have to rest then. Uh, and that's different. Other centuries didn't do that. They didn't no. allow you to get your workers back. They call that the twist. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is a kind of a fun twist on a worker placement thing, getting your workers back and not having to rest to pick them up. Yes, it is a nice benefit that I enjoyed in quite a few games, including one of my favorites, Charterstone. Mm. Oh, mm, that's yeah. right. Yeah, Charterstone. It's kind of <laughs> nice that they give you a, an engine to bump other people out of the taken up spot, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah. I really need that spot. And you have to pay more workers to get there. So if there's two workers there right now, you have to pay three workers in order oh. to bump someone out. So it's they're like bullying a- you out. Like, move along. Yeah, it's <laughs> like a fight, right? <laughs> yeah. Basically. Intimidate you. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. It unlocks some nice options for you. And you do, I believe, find yourself making use of that mechanic at least at one point over the course of the game. I know I did, and I think everyone else at the table did, too. Uh, definitely. Yeah, I am going to unlock ooh, this location. Boo! Boo! What do you mean, boo? That's one of those. <laughs> boo! Boo! Good? And you done? I am done with my turn. Sorry. All right. Now, I think... I will go here. Oh, you are going to go there? Yeah, Wait a minute. We pretty just, sweet. We just booed it. <laughs> pretty sweet. We just <laughs> booed it. I noticed that there, there's a severe lack of camels in this game. <laughs> well. Well, the camels are a bit uh, in the other game, like going through the desert and stuff. I know. I miss them. Yeah. Yeah. You can check out Mike's review online. It simply says, no camels, bury it. <laughs> that's That's it. <laughs> I remember those camels. They reminded me of little sweet tarts, and I tried to eat one, and then I tried to eat two, and then the third one I realized they weren't sweet tarts. What the hell? Took you a while, but you got there. Eventually. So I heard that this version does not really satisfy the heavy nerd gamer set. They they are worried that it might not be valuable enough to be a complete entry on its own. You know, is it a <clears throat> cash grab by the company, or is it a fitting addition to the Century Trilogy? I mean, the game was designed as a trilogy, so I don't, I don't know how, how where a cash grab comes into it. I think you can kind of level that criticism at just about any game. The different games all have a, a different mechanic. And I think it's cool that 
there's actually different rules and different ways to play with the combination. Uh, in A New World, you get four different rule books. I mean, the rule book is just a card. One disc card back in front, and it tells you four different ways of playing that game. One on its own, one with pairing up with each of the previous one, and one with all three games combined. So you can combine all three century games into one? Yes. Uh, I actually want to try that out next time. Yeah. <laughs> How do you get from the New World to the Spice Road by your next turn? <laughs> time <laughs> travel. It's a long trip. Camels in America? Cool. Yeah, time travel uh, cards. Well, that's, <laughs> where, that's where the boats come in. You get the boats and uh, you travel the boats over to the uh, from India to the New World. Emerson's a great designer, and, and I would just say that he does. He has the kind of integrity that wouldn't allow him to make a game he didn't think was was good or complete. And it is that rare worker placement game that I really am satisfied with. You know, some of them I'm just like, please make this end. <laughs> but with this one, I enjoy it. There's something about it. It just the theme, unlike with Ted, Tiny Epic Dinosaurs, the theme really matches that struggle that you have to have to balance all your resources. And it inspired me to do it in this one, as opposed to in Tiny Epic Dinosaurs, where I'm like, this should be more fun. <laughs> in this one, I was like, yes, I need to survive. I need to work to get to it. So that theme made a difference to me. Yeah, and they still kept all the resources in those cool little bowls, too. That's the one thing that's consistent with all three games. They all have those resource cubes in a cool little bowl. I think it, it it felt better in Spice Road, the bowls, because it was like spices in bowls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The game has a, a few moving parts, but they are parsed out very nicely in the layout and the graphic design that makes this game easy to pick up and intuitive to play. Very easy, very intuitive. I absolutely agree with that. Yes, the symbology is fantastic in this game. It is just arrows to say this, if you put in this, you'll get this out. Simple. Were you guys uh, noticing like a rush at the end of the game to try to get those big like point grabs? Oh, it, it makes it clear of where course. the points are and you're trying to grab. I want to get that card before the game ends because I want eight more points. I mean, that could be the margin of victory. It didn't feel like a rush, though. It felt like the whole game was like, got to get those points. Got to <laughs> get those points. Yeah. The game is clean. It plays well the flow the pace it just came together very very nicely i don't know if he if he designed this game independently sort of the other two or used the other two to help help inform this game but whatever he did he did a real fantastic job putting this game together okay explorers it's time to dig up or bury century a new world ed each game of the century series takes familiar components and offers a fun engine to explore I'll dig this one up to trade some spices again. Evan? Certainly anyone who enjoys the Century series of games will enjoy this. Put me in that category, please. This game is very easy to follow, making it accessible to all level of game players, both casual and fanatics. Dig it up. Between the art on the box and the theme of play, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this Century game. Dig it up. So, do you have thoughts on which century we should be playing our spice trade in? Let us know on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We are at which game first. Let's talk about the board game Eruption, designed by Chris James, published by Stratus Games in 2011. Number of players, 2 to 6, ages 10 and up. 
Playtime, 30 to 60 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us what's in the box. The cover of Eruption has villagers desperately scrambling to grab anything they can get their hands on to build barricades in a futile attempt to stop the lava flows that are barreling down on their straw huts from a very active volcano. Inside you'll see a game board, 40 lava tiles, 3 eruption tiles, which make brand new volcanoes, 48 walls of stone, wood, and hay, good luck with that, uh, 36 action cards, 6 scoring markers, and 2 six-sided dice. And that's what's in the box. Before we blow the lid off this active review, Evan, tell us how it's played. Eruption is a competitive survival game in which each player struggles to save his or her own village from destruction caused by an onslaught of lava from an (laughs) erupting volcano. That's putting it mildly. As lava enters a village, its temperature increases until it's burned up completely. Players can protect their own villages by placing lava tiles defensively and strategically building walls of various materials to hold back the lava. (laughs) including straw, which we'll get to. (laughs) They are also rewarded with action cards for directing lava to other villages. Action cards allow players to rotate, replace, or remove the hexagonal lava tiles as well as cool down and fortify their own villages. Once the volcano has fully unleashed its fury, the player whose village is at the lowest temperature wins. Whoever stays burns up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Whoever with the least well done. We played this game. Yeah, the least barbecued. We played this game on Board Game Arena. You could see all of the pain and destruction on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. It was painful. <laughs> okay. All right. You know what? I'm going to reserve comment for a bit. This game is pretty cutthroat, right, Ed? So this game is about creating big problems for other players and hoping <laughs> they don't have enough time to burninate your village in retaliation. <laughs> It, that's the whole game. You're just trying to control lava flows. This game is super ugly looking. I'm sorry, guys. It is the, uh, one of the ugliest well, games I have ever played. I've seen some hideous ones. I don't know. It is a hex-based game, which is fine. Yeah, hex. Yeah. They got that hexes. right. We like hexes. Yeah. <laughs> they got a point for but that. And the, the lava la- was bright. Yeah, right. The yeah. lava looked like some sort of infrared photo of like people's arms and legs that's what it looked like to me (laughs) and they have some sort of terrible black shadow effect on the outside of it that makes it look like it's well it's burning the edges it (laughs) It Hmm. doesn't it makes it look like there's shadow underneath it like it's floating though yeah it is sloppy it is graphically sloppy it also makes it look like because of the way the lava comes out of the hex tile sometimes it looks like it's flowing back uphill hmm yeah. <laughs> and there's no way to make it like a narrow edge except on the explosion, the eruption portions, which we'll get to in a minute. So it's just these giant legs of lava coming in. <laughs> lava that, legs. Yeah, it's just grim. It's very grim. <laughs> mm-hmm. The way the graphics are sort of added to my confusion in some spots too as to how these uh, pieces connect with each other because it's all about connecting the pieces mm-hmm. good thing we played it online because it would have messed us up pretty bad if uh we were trying to place those pieces ourselves without some restrictions 
the rules locking helped us determine exactly where you can turn, rotate these pieces and where you can't. Mm -hmm. And that did help because I, I felt I might have been a little confused otherwise. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of interesting that you can block off the lava with... Yeah, I mean it's temporary, you know. Yeah, very temporary. Yeah, these guys were in a rush. I mean, they live in straw huts, so they think straw is pretty good stuff, right? Yeah, probably stop the lava. But in reality, straw would straw would you know kind of make things worse. Pretty well, light the whole place on fire. It would spread the fire. Um, so all right. Look at Celeste. Oh, oh she's no. about to trigger the third stage. CCD's yeah. word wall is destroyed. Oh, no. Your temperature is increased by 10 degrees. The straw wall is destroyed by the lava flow. <laughs> CCD's villagers' temperature is increased by 10 degrees again. CC oh. is past the second burn level. It draws an extra card. Well, so much animation. Man, that was brutal. That was hard to read. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose you have to totally suspend, you know, reality at that point. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> or wood. Wood wood walls, for that matter, as well. It would last a little longer than straw, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I feel like any wall that you built in a makeshift manner like this would be completely useless against a flow of lava. This stone one, I think, is at least half decent. I mean... It's not like they're masonry, like, it's not like they're masonry stones. It's just a bunch of rocks that they piled up. Mm -hmm. How long is that going to last? None of them are meant to last, but right. straw is straight up fanning the flames. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you build these kinds of walls, so there, there are three uh, strengths of the walls, obviously, and you have to make an opposing roll against the lava. And depending on the strength of each wall is just... Tells you the strength or the ability to, to to deflect the lava. But as Ed was saying, not even stone can stop all lava. Right. And I think mm -hmm. that's one detriment to the online game. It rolled the dice behind the scene and just kind of gave you a status message of when the wall failed. You didn't actually see the roll off. Yeah, there wasn't even a graphic of a die no. kind of rolling along a board, which mm -hmm. would have definitely been better. Yeah, no, it's just like, oh, your turn uh, ended and uh, four, four wall failed. Ah. Yeah. yeah, you look at your screen and it's like, oh, no, I thought it was pretty safe there, but everything just disappeared. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that happened to me several times. <laughs> yeah, well, you were building walls like all the time. Like You started oh, off real gosh. early in the wall building situation. Right from the get-go. It didn't help me at all. No. <laughs> Didn't do that much for her. And the special ability cards that you could use each turn, I felt were like useless so many times. Well, they were definitely situational, but I actually took the other option in dumping two cards to get one more tile to place. And mm. so I would save up my cards and get tiles. And when you place a tile, you can get more cards with it by putting a tile up against your one of your opponent's uh, villages. So, like, for each point that the lava is touching on their village, you get a card for that. And two cards that you toss gets you another tile. So, <laughs> you could go all the way around somebody's village if you got lucky lucky enough draws. And what was the deal with the uh, random eruptions? Yeah, different points in the game that are marked on your thermometer gauge when you cross a threshold, there'll be an eruption. And then whoever crossed that threshold... Ideally, the person who did trust us, that sort of is losing the game because the temperature is going up the fastest. So kind of a catch-up mechanism where 
know, oh, you're losing badly, so what we're going to do is allow you to put an eruption somewhere on the board, probably next to your your enemies. Hopefully next to your enemies, <laughs> no. not probably. <laughs> well, if your village is covered in lava, there's nowhere to put it. You have to have certain parameters on which you can place that new tile, like there's yeah, no other tiles has, near it. Right. So I had a nice open spot. And of course, the one of the only places you could put the new volcano was right in my front door. You should be able to place that eruption in any blank spot. The normal rules apply to it because you have to connect a lava at all points that it touches to another piece of lava. It made it hard to use that catch-up mechanism. So near the end of the game, when I was trying to hold on to my lead, I ended up just spending every resource I had to get new tiles so that I would empty the tile thing out and nobody would have anything left to place near my village. This game has a bit of a jump on the leader problem where, you know, typically it's like, oh, he go ahead, let's drag him down. And so everybody can pile <laughs> on one person right. they think, you know, is in the lead or, you know, possibly going to win. Even if they don't think they're in the lead, it's still that the lava is closer to this village, so it's easier to place tiles to get more cards with. We started out being nice by burninating only the uh, empty villages, the ones where we weren't playing. Because <laughs> yeah. the game starts with how many? There are six, six positions. So we can go yeah, up to six, six players. Right. So there was only four of us. So we started nice by burninating those, but that didn't last long. <laughs> well, because once they <laughs> Round got- two came along. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Well, that changed. Throughout this game, I was spouting volcano trivia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like to do that for our Twitch audience. I think they enjoy it. And honestly, I found the volcano trivia more interesting than the game. Oh. Mm. Whoa. For example, oh, an active volcano is mm-hmm. any volcano that has erupted in the last 10,000 years, whether it's dormant or not. Yeah, it was like 50 years. <laughs> we all had a lowball answer yeah, for the question. Yeah, you're going to have to think in geologic terms. Yeah, we're so human-centric. <laughs> Everything happens within 80 years. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, something that was kind of nice about this game is that it didn't really matter who your neighbors were. In fact, you didn't want to bring the lava close to your neighbors because that was making it a little bit closer to yourself. So you're kind of placing it all over the whole board to try to keep it away from you. Uh, the opposite side of the board is best. Yep. <laughs> as far from yourself as you possibly can. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury eruption. Mike? There was enough psychological strategy to keep me entertained. Uh, it's a bit too fiddly to play in person for me, probably, but online, I'd dig it up for sure. Ed? It seems like it should be a lot of fun to make hot lava flow into the villages and burninate your neighbors. But it just couldn't quite have to check it with writing. So I'm going to bury it for now. Evan. I found eruption both frustrating and fun. <laughs> uh, it's de- definitely a cutthroat game. So be ready to become a target of, of everyone else. Try not to take it personally, though, as you drown and burn to death in the lava flow that your <laughs> opponents foist upon you. Dig it up. But my hay wall. <laughs> my <laughs> straw. <laughs> <sighs> Bury this under an inactive volcano because it does not even deserve the mild heat of a 9,990-year-old eruption. If you want to see why Celeste hates this game so much, go check it out on YouTube and watch her get burninated over (laughs) and over again. (laughs) And that brings us to the end of our show. 
We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you're doing. Please reach out to us anywhere on social media. We'd love to hear from you. And if you get a chance, please, guys, share our show with your friends. Leave us a rating, a like, or a review. It really is helping us grow. It's so important. If you get a minute, we'd really appreciate it. Join our chat on our Discord server. Our patrons get access to exclusive channels where we chat with them regularly. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Discord. Thanks so much, everybody. Happy gaming, explorers. I fell into a burning ring of fire. (laughs) (laughs) Was anybody else thinking Trogdor when we're burning it in the villages? (laughs) That's Roof (laughs) Cottages! That's not an improvement. (laughs) 